BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Hey, Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com. We turn now to a story out of Sherman Oaks. Jessica Lewis owns a studio called Dragonfly Cycling, a cycling studio. And according to this NBC4 story, she is begging for help with the problem with homeless people around her business. Let's bring Jessica on and talk more about this. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, well, right, so tell people when this started and what you're experiencing there with your business. Uh, so Dragonfly has been open for seven years. We opened in 2015. Um, it wasn't perfect then, but it has gotten progressively worse. Uh, the homeless crisis started, started to escalate. Um, during COVID, we were doing outdoor classes on the parking lot and started being harassed by homeless people, uh, drug addicts, kind of walking up and down the alleyway near where we were hosting the classes. It began then. Uh, once we came back indoors, my hope was that we had overcome the hardest thing my business would have to overcome and we could go back to uh, op normal operating procedures. But unfortunately, that is not the case. Uh, the crime and the homelessness has escalated probably month over month. Um, there seemed to be a little bit of a pullback um, maybe in like March. April, um, but May and June, June specifically, I've had six incidents at my little spin studio uh, just in the month of June. Everything from a homeless person camping out at my front door with mounds of personal belongings, vomit, food, uh, you name it. We had a person defecate at the front door um, just last Saturday at 5.15 in the afternoon. Um, we've had a car broken into, one of my employees' cars broken into in the back parking lot by someone just rolling down the alleyway on a bike. Um, and, you know, if it's not specifically at Dragonfly, it is across the street at, near the drugstore, near the donut store. Um, at the In-N-Out seems to be a hub 
for people to hang out. Um, and at the gas station, just two, two, two doors down from me as well, there are it's like constant. It, we're this constantly is, on guard. Yes, yeah, this, this is somewhere along Ventura Boulevard. Is that where you are? It's on Van Nuys and Moorpark. Okay. Um, so we're about one block south, one and a half blocks south of, and or sorry, is, one and a half blocks north of Ventura. And is there a homeless encampments nearby, or these are just individual homeless people who just wander the area? Yeah, there was an encampment at the at Riverside and Van Nuys, and they did eventually take care of that. Um, they being, I guess, CD4, uh, Council District 4, did eventually take care of that encampment and all those people and that trash is gone. But now it's just random individuals and it's different people every single day. What's this doing to, um, what's this doing to your business? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Just last week. I was going to say just last week, a client was parking at one of the meters on Van Nuys about five, you know, five businesses down and was a homeless person was chasing her and throwing bottles at her. She literally ran into the studio uh, for class in a state of panic. I was like, close the doors, close the doors, close the doors. It was, and this is like becoming a, a normal occurrence. Uh, this was on the news last yesterday. Um, I had called ABC and NBC and said, hey, can you guys get me some coverage? Maybe you can help. They showed up yesterday. You would have thought I orchestrated the whole thing. A home, another homeless guy came in uh, while the cameras were rolling. They caught the whole thing on film, harassing six of my clients, myself, the cameraman, everyone, um, at 9.30 in the morning on a, on a Tuesday. Did they include that um, in their coverage? Uh, yeah, it was on ABC's coverage a little bit. You saw the guy walking in. He had a massive tattoo on his stomach that said F the police, which to nice. me was an indication that this is probably someone who has uh, been incarcerated for some hardcore crimes. Yeah. Um, these are not these are not people who recently became down and out and lost their jobs and are looking to be rehabilitated. These are people uh, who are dangerous. Are they asking for money or they just come in there and just rant or something? They rant. They come in. They, I mean, now we're at the point where we've gotten really used to locking the doors. Um, other than, you know, five minutes before class starts, we let everyone in and then we immediately lock the doors behind us. But, um, you know, they, they typically don't ask for the bathroom. I mean, sorry, they don't ask for money. They ask to use the bathroom. They ask for water or they just come and harass us. I mean, we're now equipped with a taser and we've got, pepper spray and we lock the doors all the time the 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 windows have been graffitied it's it's insanity Uh, have you you must have lost customers due to this i did um just a couple the other day when they saw my post on facebook said i'm sorry i haven't been in the studio you know one of the reasons i loved coming was that it was walking distance from my home i didn't have to deal with parking but i'm afraid to walk there because in four blocks from you know, Dickens to Moore Park, they're harassed by five mentally ill people who, you know, are capable of doing anything to anyone at any time. And it's just not, it's, it's unreal. So let's talk about the city response. You're in the council district of Nithya Raman, and they claim that they I do am. send these ambassadors out there to deal with the situation. How's that working? So that uh, team, which I believe is two people, um, and they work Monday through Friday, they're not they don't work on the weekends. Um, that started a couple months ago. And I have uh, utilized that service three or four times now. Um, yesterday was the first time I used it actually for Dragonfly. The other three times was like 
there was a whole encampment getting set up by the Best Buy. And so I texted them to let them know, hey, you might want to do something about this. There was another one um, by by the gas station on the 76 station on Van Nuys and Ventura. So I notified them of that. Yesterday was the first time I notified them. The guy did, I'll give him credit, he did arrive within three to four minutes. Um, introduced himself to me and said, let me, tell me what happened. Let me go talk to the guy. I don't understand what talking to the guy is going to do. He doesn't do it. He went across the street. He had a conversation with him, came back and said, I'm really sorry you're dealing with this. The guy's clearly intoxicated. I was like, okay, and what's next? Yeah, what's next? Are you going to arrest him and put him behind bars? I've called the police. It took them 45 minutes to show up. Not their fault because they've been defunded. And there's a third of them on the streets that we need. Yeah, I... You know, this, 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 uh... This team, whatever they call it, this team of, of people who are supposed to address the homeless, they're, they're, they're having conversations with them one by one, trying to present them with services that are available. But as per the police that I spoke to yesterday and everyone else I've talked to, they don't want the services. And unfortunately, the law says that if they, if they turn down the services, they're entitled to loiter and to be intoxicated and to... Threaten people on the yeah. street yeah. Um, without recourse. I love and this even quote. Even if they did get thrown in jail, we know that they'll be out in you know two hours. I love this quote from you in the NBC Four story where you said, "You know what they're doing? It's the equivalent of thoughts and prayers when a school is shot up. It really is just meaningless virtue signaling from them. Oh yeah, we'll send an outreach team and they'll talk to the guy, and that's all we can do." That's one hundred percent correct, and that's why. Yesterday, I uh, admittingly spiraled out of control because once that guy said, I'm really sorry, to me, sorry was like a trigger for uh, thoughts and prayers for those poor babies in Texas. And I just, I couldn't control myself anymore because it's the same answer. I mean, I have 14, 15, 16 emails that I have spent hours putting together, sending to Nithya Raman and her team. And every time I send it to them, you know, I'm like, oh, please, you know, meet Ryan. He's the newest member of the team. So be sure you CC him and meet. And it's just like they're just rotating through people and nothing's ever getting done. I think it was eight months ago I was promised power washers. I was like, can you at least wash the street so that, like, it's not filled with urine and, and feces and vomit? Nine months they still haven't got the power washers. Now because of ABC and NBC covering the story yesterday, somehow the power washers are showing up tomorrow. Of course. Or, Friday. I apologize. Um, but it's like, I posted this stuff on next door. Next door takes my post down. Ah. Um, yeah, it's fully censored content. Nothing that was posted was defamatory. It was the honest to goodness truth. <laughs> All right, Jessica, I got to go, but I really appreciate you talking to us and I wish you the best. Keep in touch and let us know how it's going. We hope you can hang in there, but it's frustrating. It is. Thank you so much for the coverage. I appreciate it. All right. Jessica Lewis is the owner of a cycling studio in Sherman Oaks called Dragonfly, and she has just had it with uh, what the homeless people are up to, defecating, blocking people, coming in, going on rants, threatening people. Uh, She is losing some clients, and the city of L.A. just sends out outreach teams who tell her, we talked to them. Okay, we'll see you later. All right, we got more coming up. All right, we're going to go now to uh, Tim Leinberger. He's one of the officials with uh, the George Gascon uh, recall operation. Uh, Tim, you there? Hey, guys. Yes, I'm here, and thanks for the opportunity to respond to some of that uh, uh, because we believe much of it was demonstrably false. So, Well, th- tell me this, though. Before they announced you fell short, at any point did you feel like you were going to miss? 
Uh, the entire time, guys, we thought this would be extremely close. Um, and that was something that uh, we all discussed publicly on the air together numerous times. And there was not one single day that we did not press urgency with this effort or say that we needed to get as far above that cushion as possible. But so if 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 yeah, they threw ahead. out 195,000 signatures and you and Steve Cooley and others repeatedly assured us that you had a lot of money for a vetting operation, everything was getting vetted. How could you miss by 195,000? Why would it be close? You had well over 700,000. You did all the vetting, so you said. You had the money, so you said. How could you possibly miss by this much? Uh, well, first of all, um, we were, of course, vetting the signatures as we went through them. Um, but obviously, we could not have got through every single signature by submission day, including and especially the signatures that were coming in at the very end. We collected over 150,000 from mid-June to early July. So as you're trying to collect those and verify them uh, throughout that process, you're inherently not going to be able to get to all of them. That would have been impossible. And that's the whole reason for trying to get a 20 to 30 percent cushion. Ultimately, we got about a 25 percent cushion. Obviously, we would have loved to have get more or gotten more. We were prepared to pay for additional signatures at the end had our paid guys been able to turn them in. Um, so, and it ended but up why, being wait, well, why, were, why were the numbers lagging up until mid-June? You said you had 150,000 come in in the final, I guess, three weeks or so. Why was that? We, we, we didn't get any sense from any of you guys that the signature gathering was slow. Every time you came no, on, you I said everything was going what? Yeah. I said, I don't think they were lagging at all. I think we were at 566,000 raw signatures in mid-June, which is exactly what we announced. And then we went on to continue to up that and increase our momentum. As, but, as okay, we but you up, up until mid-June, you were vetting signatures. So, we were vetting signatures throughout the entire process, yes. Okay. So, but clearly in the push at the end, not so much. Uh, well, no, you couldn't get through the entire batch, but, but like, I, I can assure you, even if you look at the, the decisions the that Jennifer posted in her article there, there yeah. are signatures that are crossed out. So it completely debunks the assertion that we weren't doing that. Yeah, I know, but, 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 you, but, you, but this is getting confusing here. What was your vetting rate up until the middle of June? You must have, you must have, had, you must have missed a lot of bad signatures leading up to mid-June. Not all the 150,000 uh, no. that came in the last three weeks were thrown out. You must have had a, a, a pretty high fail rate up to that point. There was a significant portion of signatures that were vetted on the front end and tossed out early. Otherwise, our entire submission would have been higher and the invalidation rate would have been greater. Um, so, again, it's an extremely difficult process. And just to put it into perspective but, in terms but of But why were you so short as of mid-June? Why were you so short? I, I guess I don't think we were. We had collected 566,000 raw signatures. I think that's as many as we physically could have possibly collected within that time span, given the time limit and threshold. By comparison, for example, if you look at the California gubernatorial recall, they collected uh, like 200 and something thousand total from L.A. County in 280 days because they got an extension for COVID. So, again, we were way beyond that threshold and pace. So I think just framing it as short or coming up where we were wouldn't be correct. Well, it's not and framing. Wait, 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 hold on. This isn't framing. Yeah. You either had enough or you didn't. And in the end, you were 40,000 yeah. short. And you had no sense yeah, course, that you were going to be 40,000 short. See, you're, 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 giving con you're accusing Jennifer Van Laar of having a contradictory story. You were all confident yeah, you had enough. 
we said it was going to be close and we needed to build as large of a cushion as possible. And that was the exact statement I made repeatedly on the air with you guys. You can check the tapes uh, and in all of our public statements. So we never said we had it in the bag. That's why we continued to urge collection through the last day, because we always knew it could be close. And in, adi in addition to that, there is still a process that remains for this where we're going to be allowed to inspect those signatures and make sure that nobody was improperly disenfranchised. Well, okay. So on its, I'd like to make a quick point about that, but just on its face, there's 32,000 signatures alone that the registrar has disqualified that they themselves say are valid signatures from L.A. County voters for whatever reason have something misprinted or a different address from where they're currently registered at. Uh, so we believe that could be potential, uh, potentially right for challenge. And we're going to be looking at everything else as well. So the idea that this wasn't exactly as close as we thought it would be or that we were saying anything different is just revisionist history, in my opinion. And I Look at all well, of I, I, I don't know. It, it, well, yeah. One of the last conversations we had with was an attorney for your recall campaign. And it sounded like you guys were preparing for a battle of the signature matching. That turned out to be not really significant in the rejection of the recall. It was about all these unregistered voters and out-of-state voters and duplicates. Again, isn't that something you well, could that, have caught? Yeah. Uh, well, we were doing our best to catch those, like I said, throughout, and we did cross out a significant number of duplicates on our own. Um, so that was absolutely occurring. Otherwise, we wouldn't have ended up with 520,000 valid signatures in the end. Um, so we were absolutely looking to do that. And as to the signature verification issue, again, I, I think the idea that we shouldn't have raised that as a potential issue uh, just doesn't make sense. It would have been negligent on our part. Not no, to. but, but it, it was we had her on. It was like a half an hour on that. And that ended up being yeah. uh, less than 10 percent of the problem. The huge problem, two thirds sure. of the problem is not registered voters and, and duplicates. Uh, and then you could add in another 30,000 different addresses, as you mentioned. I mean, by themselves there, that's one hundred and sixty thousand uh, uh, signatures, 160,000 out of 195,000 thrown out. And it seems to me that is the easy stuff to verify. They're not registered, duplicates, different address. That's all a matter of public record. So if, if, if I don't understand, why did you get such a surge in the last three weeks? And why weren't you prepared for such a surge? What, what went on that the last three weeks created this big surge? Because we continued to pour resource into, resources into the effort, up our paid signature gathering, and our volunteer activity increased as well um, as people were just continuing to watch everything that George Gascon was doing in the city. So um, it, I think it's just, again, the idea that you wouldn't end up with a 20 to 30 percent range of invalid signatures, which is pretty standard for this effort, is, is just kind of a false premise. Yeah, but you did. See, the thing is you so. did the vetting. So you shouldn't end up with a, with a 27 percent rejection rate. And you did do you did do yeah. vetting on most of the signatures, the, the first five hundred fifty thousand. You did the vetting. Now, shouldn't we expect yeah. a, a very high rate of of uh, proper signatures if you're really spending all that money? Uh, yeah, and I think that's why, again, we got five hundred twenty thousand valid signatures, which is a pretty high rate. And at the same time, we do believe there are potential challenges for those other signatures. So this is right in line with any standard recall for where you would be in terms of overages. And we were absolutely crossing yeah. out those names and vetting hundreds of thousands of signatures. Uh, otherwise, the submission would have been even greater and had a much more significant uh rate of rejection so like i talked to some of our campaign people <laughs> well, yeah, yeah i know but that's like that's like a coach saying yeah we yeah. lost but we could have lost by more i mean in the end it's a it's a loss and pe you, you know our listeners they donated money they put in a lot of volunteer effort here 
I mean, to say, hey, uh, we had a good game, Mo. I mean, that really doesn't cut it. George Gascon's killing people. Well, that, that's not, yeah, but that, that's not what I'm saying at all, guys. Obviously, there's nobody more disappointed than me and then our team who put in a lot of uh, sleepless nights and, and long days to make this happen for the better part of the last two years. And like I said, this is somewhat of a premature conversation because we will be looking at those signatures. But the idea that we didn't do everything we possibly could to collect every last signature and to verify everyone that we could is just totally false on its face. And it, it doesn't line up with any facts that are available, even if you look at some of our campaign expenses and reports, because some of the insinuations that Jennifer made were that we were negligent with the money or doing things out of cronyism. Our, our total overhead and expenses, salary, legal, everything was less than 9% for the whole campaign. That's unheard of. Our signature collection rate was $11 net, which is way below the national average of 14 and a half. So the idea that we weren't doing right, everything no. we could. Let, all right. Can, we, can you hang on? Yeah. Correct. Hang on. We, we got one we'll, comment we'll, that you guys went on the cheap. All right. We're talking to Tim Leinberger. Tim was a spokesman for the Recall George Gascon campaign, which, of course, we found out has failed to qualify enough signatures to get on the ballot. And a couple of articles written about the recall effort were pretty critical, particularly about the vetting process, since many signatures were rejected for simply not being registered voters or for being out of state or being duplicates. We got more coming up. All right, we're talking to Tim Leinberger. He was on our show uh, quite a few times uh, during the effort to recall George Gascon. He was with the George Gascon recall campaign. And of course, we found out that the uh, they didn't have enough signatures to qualify this for the ballot. And then when we found out the reasons, we were a bit perplexed because everyone thought it was going to be about signature matching. Well, that was only about 10,000 signatures disqualified. The bulk of the signatures thrown out were not registered voters or duplicates or out-of-county people. And uh, that kind of surprised us here at the John and Ken Show and lead us to many questions over the vetting process to make sure that uh, these signatures weren't turned in. And what we found out is that the, the cushion period, after they announced they had enough signatures to qualify this to the ballot, the next thing they had to do was get a cushion of signatures to try to cover those that'd be thrown out. And it looks like a lot of those <laughs> apparently didn't qualify. So, so uh, Tim, um, I, I, I spoke with somebody uh, a week or two, I, maybe a week after um, the deadline for returning the signatures. And this person had gone out collecting signatures. He put in a lot of long hours. And he was well-connected in government. Uh, you probably would know his name, but I'm not going to say and I asked him, and I said, do you think this is going to make it? And this is before we even had the sample. He goes, no. He goes, he goes it, it was just amateur hour over there. They were panicking. He goes, I went out all 4th of July weekend, and I was doing it four, four, 14, 16 hours a day because everybody was panicking. They thought they were going to be short. That's what he told me. Um, I, I, also, I also, to be honest, I felt like the, the lawyer that we had on in the final days saying, hey, you know, they, they're, they've, got, they've got the wrong signature matching It's a training law. manual from 2017, I, right? I, I felt like that was, hey, look over here. That, you know, we're gonna, you set a smoke bomb off in the other direction so, so Dean Logan could get blamed rather than having somebody come on in the air and explain what was going on behind the scenes, uh, that you, you were falling short. I felt like it was like, uh, you know, damage control in advance, getting ahead of the story, getting ahead of the spin. That's the way I feel. Sure. Yeah. Can I can I respond to both of those points, yeah. I guess, one at a time? Yeah. Um, so I, I guess in terms of the signature or, or we'll start with the idea that there was panic at the end or we did or didn't think we were going to make it. 
again, there wasn't one day where I didn't go out and tell people uh, that we needed to be urgent, we could not be complacent, or that we would fail. And that message was uh, continuous throughout the entire effort, and we always believed that it was going to be close and that we needed to build as big of a cushion as possible. So going back and, and saying, you know, oh, we were panicking or trying to get every last thing in, of course we were. We wanted to get, we would have loved to turn in a million signatures if we could have and had 400,000 be disqualified. We would have been happy with that if it ultimately qualified. So absolutely that's ca- the case, but that's not news. That's exactly what I was telling everybody and what our campaign was tell- telling everybody. This is urgent and this is a very difficult threshold to qualify. We can't be complacent. Um, To the second point about the signature gathering, uh, I think that was an extremely legitimate issue to raise. It also goes against the narrative that we weren't being diligent with everything about this process. And ultimately, uh, if you just take that number alone, it wouldn't be enough to change the results. But again, we're going to look at everything. And that number still, as it stands today, was 75 percent higher than the average rejection rate for the last recall for Newsom or for vote by mail. So while it wouldn't make the difference on its own, it could be a portion of it. And when we're looking at 32,000 other signatures, we believe may have been disenfranchised. That could matter. So the idea that we shouldn't be raising every possible legitimate question, uh, I think that would have been negligent. And we, in fact, did the opposite. So uh, I'm looking at this story. Let the voters decide. That's the company that was hired to collect signatures? Yeah, one of the companies, yes. And, And this C3 public strategies... They were supposed to vet the signatures? Is that what was going on? Uh, That was one of the companies that also participated in the vetting. Yeah, we used a number of different vendors for for both paths. And Um, something else called Allied Data? Yep, that was another one. Did they do their jobs properly? Uh, You know, at times, uh, I would say not always. We did our best to always hold our vendors accountable. Sometimes you have paid guys that would say they were going to turn in a certain amount by a certain day and you'd agree to it. Uh, and then that submission would end up being short. So you'd have to hold them accountable. Uh, we constantly work to renegotiate rates. We switch vendors as necessary. Uh, we did because it says here Allied Data was supposed to weed out people who weren't registered to vote, duplicates, duplicates address, address mismatches. mismatches. These are the things that, that got into you know, that's, trouble. Uh, right? That's 160, yeah. 170,000 uh, signatures right there that they were supposed to weed out of the system. Did they? Uh, yeah, I would. I don't think they did all of our verification. I believe we pulled it from them at some point. And you pulled uh, so it from even had you pulled it from C three as well because it says here you switched from C three uh, to Allied Data. Yeah, that's correct. So is, is this so just we took, a, a, a lot of this in under our under our own hands? Or into I guess our the real question is, did you have anybody doing this with the cushion signatures? Because that was where the problem came in. It sounds yes, like. Yeah. So we. We continued to do it. So just to be clear, yeah, we continued to do it throughout the process, but we did not get through, obviously, the entire 720,000 that we or 715,000 that we submitted. I think it was close to about 80 percent. And you do know that the the head of Let the Voters Decide called the campaign amateur, too. You saw that story? Yeah, of course I did. And I think uh, we're we're not really commenting on that publicly because we don't want to litigate it over the air. There's a lawsuit there. I want to ask you this finally, Tim, yeah. you've been hinting around that there, that there might be some sort of challenge to this outcome. Is there anything to be said about that right now? Yeah, so the way the process works is we have 21 days to initiate a challenge with the registrar. We're in the process of doing that and gathering together a team of volunteers and attorneys to go in there and review everything. Um, so we'll be notifying them soon of who that will be. 
Uh, we're then going to do our best to review every single signature, make sure nobody was disenfranchised in the end. Um, and again, just on its face, we think that 32,000 is potentially problematic because those are actual L.A. County voters with legitimate signatures who are not having their signature counted as it stands. So that alone would put us at 552. We think there's potential equal protection issues there, according to some constitutional attorneys we've talked to. So we're going to do everything we can to continue fighting for the removal of George Gascone. And I know people are frustrated and I know there's armchair court or Monday morning quarterbacking going on on this effort. But one thing I just want to get across to you guys and your listeners is there's virtually nothing we didn't do under the sun to make this happen. It was an extremely high and difficult threshold just on the verification alone. The registrar required four to 500 employees just to get that element done in 30 days. So the idea that this was some easy task or wasn't going to be close uh, was never, never the case. Um, so we're going to continue working hard at this. Uh, and I think, you know, some of this stuff is just part of the nature of politics. And, and we get that. All right, Tim, thanks for talking to us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys, for your time. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for coming Tim on. Weinberger used to be a spokesperson for the recall. I guess he still is. George Gascon campaign. More coming up. All right. It's one of our favorite topics every now and then on the show. People who get swindled by psychics. People who get swindled by psychics. Deborah Mark. I, I've never been swindled by a psychic. You've paid money to a psychic. One time. How much? And did you I think it was $150. It was, it, you paid $150? Yes, I've told you this before. I forgot. I don't remember the amount. I, know I think it was 150 Holy Maybe it was 125. And, oh my God! For how long a reading? I how think it was an a... hour or so. And it, did it really it changed your life markedly. Or... It did not change my life. No. Did, now did you feel? Well, like she a... didn't go back. So I did not go back, that. and that was probably 15, 16 years ago. Did you feel silly um, no. after you paid the 150? No, I did not. You did not? No, not at the time. Well, now... did any part of you though go, "Whoa, this person's good"? Was it a woman? It was a guy. It was a guy. A okay. guy psychic? It was a guy. Yes. And he was blind. <laughs> oh, sure he was. I, <laughs> no, he really was. I told he you really that was? some people what? in the news business went to him. They mm-hmm. swore by him and they told me about him and I went to him. Wait and some of the things. The news business? Yeah. Yes, and some colleagues, not not wait, from wait, this wait, station. Wait, wait, so there, there's news people that we <laughs> listen so to careful. every day, and they're going to psychics? <laughs> but it is true, not from this station. How, how can you be a news person and go to a psychic? That that's, that doesn't... How about a you, broadcast broadcast professionals? How about that? You, you were at a low point in your life, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, actually, I was. It <laughs> was not an easy time, and, and I needed... I, I just... I. But People were swearing you, by this guy, you and so I some, thought, what the heck? You needed a blind swindler to take 150 from you? <laughs> Do you ask questions or he just asked questions? Or okay, you... so he asked questions, but then he also just, he just started talking, telling me things about my life. And I thought, well. Did he touch you? No. I thought because he's blind, you might want some sort of connection no, to you. No, but he did have me write down some things on cards, but he didn't look at them. He put those away. Well, of course no, he did. No, he didn't. Well, I was right there. Well, of course was he didn't look at them. <laughs> What do you mean he wrote it? He wrote, you wrote it down, but he didn't That's look at them. That's what he asked. Uh-huh. And... Okay, the really weird thing is that we were talking about death. Uh-huh. And he records, he records all the sessions so that at that, at that time it was a tape. So he would give you the tape so that you can go back and and mm. see what and hear what he was talking about and see if any of these things come true. All of a sudden, his tape recorder stopped. And he told me, he said I just put in batteries before you came, so there's no reason. He said, but sometimes when you do talk about people that have died, they mess with electronics. So he so he believed that there were some 
Spirits. Oh, yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice stick. Yeah, right. And you probably, got, oh, your eyes must do you have that? I did. I, I, I can't you find the tape? tape. I have searched for that tape for so oh, many years. I'd, oh, I know. I, I'd give you your 150 back just to play it on the air. I, know. <laughs> wow. I wish I could find it. Uh, so this story is, I, what I can't figure out in this story is apparently the man that got swindled, it was a man in this case, William Young of Brooklyn, and he's filed a lawsuit. The psychic was a female by the name of Shana Samuel. This happened last year. He worked at a bar called XOXO Bar. It's now closed. It's a gay bar on West 46th Street. And the reason I mention that is that he ended up giving this woman more than a million dollars. It started with money and then it, it accelerated to cars for the, her. Does he have dementia? He, he, well, he has bipolar and depression. Well, that doesn't and explain. And she convinced him he could help her, help him find a soulmate and purge the dark spirits in his life. <laughs> so he kept going back to her and paying her more and more because she kept asking for more money. And this is what happens when a psychic knows well, you're wait. a dupe. They'll just keep milking you. And she realized he had a million dollars to blow? I don't know well, if how she is... did or not, but he apparently turned over a lot of money. How is this a swindle? It started with $100,000, the first payment. But how is this a swindle? And then he was going six times in a single week, payments ranging from 1000 to $20,000. <laughs> well, it's a... <laughs> no, but I don't, I don't understand the fraud. She said up front she was a psychic. Psychics don't exist. Apparently, nothing she ever did for him worked. He was still depressed, <laughs> still without a soulmate. Well, so he course. feels that he was fleeced. <laughs> and oh, this while she rich. cast spells, they cost more than her regular fortune telling work. <laughs> she cast. Oh, the spells were more expensive. Yes. Oh. Oh, for her to, like, wave her arms in there. So go, he got overcharged is what they're claiming. <laughs> Here's the amazing part. The scam ended when a $496,000 payment to her through a third party was blocked by the man's bank. That's the only reason this came to a halt. And then his account was frozen. And then <laughs> a realization he'd been tricked, according to the lawsuit. What, he says he paid what? her and third parties $1,102,000. And and that's with a half million being blocked. I think so. Yes, because the last payment so, was blocked. Where he did he get that money working in a well, bar? Well, that's what I'm in a bar. That's what I don't know. What did he inherit money? Or is this real? He... That's what someone in the story actually said. This doesn't even sound real. I mean, it's a real lawsuit. Whether or not the story's real, I. <laughs> All right, John and Ken show. Let's get the latest from the KFI newsroom. KFI AM six forty. Hey, Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com.